Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everybody. So glad to see you. So glad we're at church together today and have a nice warm place to uh, celebrate Christ together. Welcome to week three of All Access. It's our third part of a four-part series on the story of you and God. I want to welcome you if you're watching online uh, right now or later this week or listening later this week. Thanks for joining us as well. One of the things I've enjoyed in this series is knowing that uh, we're not just studying uh, here in the worship center as adults, but our children are studying as well. So maybe you've had some Lego recreations of uh, this tabernacle at home that we've been looking at that the Israelites, uh, God asked the Israelites to build uh, after their Red Sea experience. So uh, they fled Egypt, crossed the Red Sea on dry land, went into the desert. They are 12 tribes. They're not a nation yet. They don't even really have a religion yet. They have no home yet, no property, no place uh, to be. And God said, well, first I want to dwell among you and I want, to be, uh, I want you to be my people. And uh, to do that, he gave them a, a law to follow and then he gave them uh, a way that they could have his presence with them and a way that they could uh, be right with God and be made right with God. And that's what we've been walking through in this series. Last week, uh, we went inside the tabernacle after setting up the history and talking about the outer court and everything. We went inside into this first piece of furniture that's in this outer courtyard called the bronze altar. And in the bronze altar, we saw that it was a picture of what's coming, of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and how he's the ultimate perfect spotless lamb and he was the substitute for sin and just as the Israelites would uh, go and make a sacrifice on this altar that Jesus was our ultimate sacrifice for us dying in our place so we could be forgiven and have life then we went just a, a step back into this other piece of furniture was the bronze laver that's just a digital recreation of this from a virtual tour uh, that if you were to search tabernacle virtual tour, uh, you could go on and look around and go through that. But at the bronze laver, it taught us that uh, we've ex as we've accepted Jesus as our lamb and our savior and as our substitute, we don't have to worry about our salvation. As we struggle and as we confess, God purifies us and cleanses us. So as we put our trust in him, so this week we're going to dive just a little bit deeper and we're going to go into the tabernacle proper. And so as you would go into uh, where this was curtained and divided, you couldn't see into this. This would be a tent with a top on it. When you go in there, it'd be split into two sections. You'd have the holy place and then you would have this curtain or this veil here and behind it would be the holy of holies. And we'll talk about that place next week. But you go inside and there would be three uh, pieces of furniture in there. And the first was this golden lampstand that was on the left side. And at the top of this lampstand were these little bowls of oil. And they'd put a wick in that oil and they'd light it. And they'd do this twice a day, every morning, every evening. And the entire purpose was 
very obvious. It's that there would be no light in the holy place without a light. So God says, here's how I want you to put light in there. But the lamp would only give light if you're taking notes if it was full of oil. So they'd have to fill up those little bowls with oil and put a wick in them. Now what I love about God and what I love about the tabernacle, and honestly, if, if this series is like not for you, if you're not into this one as much as some others, um, just be grateful it's only four weeks. We could have done this for like 10 weeks or more because uh, everything that God did I just love this about God is it's like, let's not just put a light in there to light the room. Let's have it have a bunch, represent a bunch of things, have some symbolism and have some power and even foretell of the story that I'm going to create. And so the Holy Spirit is usually referred to in scripture as oil. And so this lampstand, God said, I want you to beat it out of gold. And it represents Jesus as our king, but that he's beat, he came and he was beaten to fulfill his purpose. And uh, he's filled with the Spirit. And through those things, there was a light that was given out to the world. So the fact is that just as Jesus was the light of the world, you might write that in. In John 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, We'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. Did you catch that? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But Jesus is not here bodily anymore. So we are, the church, Christians, literally, he has handed that job over to us to be the light of the world, to shine a light, to be a city on the hill. As, so just as Jesus was the light of the world, if you're taking notes, so I too must shine. Paul told the Philippians, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You know, this world can be a very dark and bleak place. And it just seems like there's so much darkness out there. Um, I mean, there's just so much news I can hardly even watch or read because you just get done. It's like, my goodness, that was so dark. So many things that, so much darkness. And honestly, I feel like the, with the introduction of, of streaming our shows and our media, uh, because the, the rains have been taken off, there's just unlimited darkness and so much of the stuff that we consume can be so dark and so bleak and uh, we can forget that we're actually the light. Christians are to live with the light of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Paul says we become like shining stars in a very dark night. That's the way our lives are supposed to be. So when it feels dark, you say, oh yeah, it's, it's supposed to feel this way for now. You've got to remind yourself, I'm the flashlight. I remember sitting in a small group one time and one of the guys talking about his workplace and he says, talking about how dark it was. And another guy says, well, dude, you should see it when you're not there because you're the light. And when you're not there, it's just dark, it's all darkness. And we're to be the light in a very dark place. You see, friend, one thing that can happen 
as you begin to walk with Christ and as you begin to see that this world is not your home, is one thing that can happen if you're not careful and if you don't stay glued to God's word is you begin to see the world as the enemy because it is so dark. And then you start taking up this language and this ideology and this thought that I'm behind enemy lines and I've got to fight. I've got to fight, I've got to fight. And you begin thinking that you've got to fight against the world and fight against the darkness. But what we learned in the Armor of God series is that yes, we need to have armor because we're in a fight, but the fight's not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people in the world. The fight's actually up here. The fight's actually right here at home. The strongholds that we believe. The lies that we believe. And that's what the armor we have to take on is to protect ourselves from, from being deviated from the truth and the truth of God's word and the truth of Christ. So if the world is not our home and it's not a battlefield for us to fight against everyone, what is the world then? The world's not the battlefield, it's the mission field. And the world is our mission field and the enemy's the greatest way, the greatest thing to do with an enemy is turn them into a friend and to win them over for God and to shine a light into their life. The world is not our battlefield, it is our mission field and we are to shine and it's our job in a warped and crooked generation to become like stars in the sky. See, here's another truth about the lampstand is that the more that the wick burned down on those, those lamps, the more that the wick needed to be trimmed. And so in the tabernacle, if, if the priest did not trim uh, those lamps twice a day, uh, then it the light would go out, it would stop burning. Uh, you and I do this at home. I don't know if you've ever trimmed a wick on a candle at home. I love candles because I found like if a room is a mess and someone's coming over unannounced, you don't have time to clean, just throw a candle in there and light it real quick. And it's like, oh, hey, it's nice, nice house, right? <laughs> we cut off the wick and we just throw it away, right? But God said, I want you to save those wicks. Now, why would God instruct the priest to snip off that bit of wick that had been burned and then put it in this little golden snuff box that was put in this little golden uh, altar of incense that we're going to talk about in a minute. Well, think about it. The wick was used in service. It was serving. It was a light to that holy place as it burned. And it was performing a function that God asked it to do. And what if that wick represents you and me as we serve him? And as we serve him, there's moments where we feel like we're being trimmed and no one notices what we do. But someday, friends, someday, God is gonna bring out what's called a scroll of remembrance. And when you stand face to face with God, he's going to go through item by item and say, I noticed that. I remember that. I remember when you served uh, kids that way. I, I remember when you stood at that door and greeted. I remember the meal you took that person. I remember how you encouraged. I remember how you uh, shined a light into your workplace when it was hard. I remember when that person uh, made you so mad but you saw them as a mission field rather than battlefield and you remembered where the true battle was and you loved them because God so loved the world. It says that he came into the world to save the world, that Christ didn't come 
to judge the world but to save the world through him and he's going to say I remember when you took on that mentality and you decided to, to love that person and he's going to pull out that scroll of remembrance and you're going to say you saw that you remember that and if God cared enough to cherish each wick that burned in the holy place how much more will he cherish each wick of service in your life Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Don't give up on your service to God. Don't give up on your love for others. Don't give up on your mission of shining a light and your good works uh, among others that they may see and glorify your Father in heaven. If God kept those silly little wicks for hundreds of years, how much more does your service matter to him? The next thing that you would see in this holy place, so you'd turn around to the other side and there was a little table that God said he wanted there. It's called the table of showbread because it had this uh, bread called showbread on it. And he would have the priest bake 12 loaves of bread and put it on uh, this table and there'd be a couple of other things like some cups or some things there. But there'd be 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Another place this bread is called the bread of presence uh, because it was so close to the presence of God. And the purpose of the bread in the tabernacle, again, was very practical. Uh, it was to uh, give food and fellowship for the priests. That was its purpose. But again, God says, let's put some symbolism behind it and uh, have it be an object lesson and they were to eat it as an act of worship. Now this wood table would be covered with gold. There's no bronze inside the tabernacle. It was only in the outer court uh, where there was this bronze covering wood and that's because anytime that you saw wood and bronze uh, together, that's representing Jesus as our suffering savior. And so God said there's a Messiah who is coming and he's going to make a way, and he's going to make a way uh, and, and be a substitute. And so uh, the wood and bronze would represent um, the Messiah's humanity and that he would come and be one of us, and he would die in our place and suffer in our place. But none of that was inside the tabernacle proper. You would have wood or wood and gold because uh, the Messiah would ascend to heaven and be in the highest place and now Jesus is not our suffering savior anymore he is our glorified king what is this little table holding some loaves of unleavened bread this wood encased in this gold have to say about my life and my life as a, a, your life as a priest as a follower of Christ well, Jesus clearly identifies himself as the bread of life, and he's the bread that pleases and satisfies God. In Psalm 635, Jesus declared, let's start here and read out loud together, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So if Jesus is the living bread, and he tells us in another place, that we are to eat of him, never be hungry, never be thirsty. He's living water, living bread. How do we do that today? Well, we eat, we partake of Jesus as the living bread through the written word of God, through the Bible. That's our job. 
If our first job, as we see in the lampstand, is to be a light in a dark world, to reflect him, to accurately be his presence in our world, the second job as a priest is to build fellowship with each other. It's to build it through the word of God so that we kind of, we have this relationship that's strong and deep and so powerful. One of the things that I'm, I'm really looking forward to in Daring Faith, our spiritual growth campaign that's upcoming, is encouraging one another through uh, the word together. And I, I love how man, Pastor Chris and our worship team and our small group leaders and uh, just our communication, our team and our staff are thinking about how can we be so unified in this and how can we be encouraging each other with the words from the Bible about faith and encourage each other that way? How can we preach it, study it, sing it to one another to where we're feeding each other this bread, the word of God. You know, you, I, can, I can go and have a good time with a lot of different people and go and just have fellowship with a lot of different people, go and have fun, but there's something powerful about when I'm doing that with my church or my small group, and, and there's something just a deeper level that is so, you walk away so satisfied because you know what one another are going through. You know that the word that you're encouraging each other with and there's just something deeper than, than just a good time or just fellowship or just having a friend. There's something deeper that satisfies that hunger that is deep inside of us that our soul longs for bread that satisfies. And when we feed that to one another, it creates a bond, a fellowship that is unlike anything else that exists in this world. And it's our job, all of us as priests, to build that unity together. Because then the next thing that you would go to or see, this next object in the tabernacle is this little golden altar. It was wood covered in gold. And it's the altar of incense. It was very, very small. And it sat right up against this veil that we're going to talk about next week. And there was never like any animal sacrifice there or anything like that. It was purely an altar that offered incense. And the priest would go out into the courtyard and take a coal out of the, uh, the bronze altar out there and bring it into, out of the courtyard in here twice a day and light the incense that was held inside here. And the incense was a special compound that God had prescribed. And he said, don't get creative. I don't want a different smell. I don't want a different compound. I don't want you to come up with your own thing here. In fact, he was so serious about it that Aaron, the high priest, two sons uh, were priests, and uh, they tried to come up with a different compound and a different fire and a different smell and a different thing and bring it in. And God killed them right on the spot. Because he said it's a, it's a strange fire. And, and really the heart behind it is they were rejecting what God had instructed. But what God was saying is, no, I'm holy and you come to me this way and you put it together this way because we don't come and worship with our own efforts and our own ingenuity and our own way. It's never enough. We come through the way he says, so that it was burned twice at the altar, this incense, and the incense represented prayer and worship. And the altar was beautiful and valuable, not just because it was 
gold and a beautiful piece of furniture. It was valuable because of the incense that was offered at this altar. And the value was in the symbolism of the incense and that God liked it. And so throughout scripture, incense and prayer are, are, and, and worship are linked together in, in many places. I'll give you a couple of them here. In Psalm 141, it says, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Another place in Revelation, it says another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. So, so at the same time that the lampstand was lit, one priest is lighting the lampstand. Another priest would be lighting uh, the incense twice a day, morning and evening. And it was showing the connection. Now remember I said the lampstand represents the Messiah, who we know is Jesus. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. Then you have this altar of prayer and worship, the holiness of God. And when you put it together, uh, you're seeing prayer become effective our relationship with God becoming effective and that we're getting guidance from God even as we relate to him and pray to him because the Holy Spirit gives guidance to us as we pray. I don't know if you've um, experienced this, but I've experienced it more times than I can count where I long to pray, I want to pray and I want my prayers to matter and be effective and I want to relate with God I'm just, I, God, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I'm, and it, it normally happens, like, even about this time in 21 days of prayer and worship, where I'm like, God, I just, there's a connection that has become stronger, but I'm not sure exactly what to say in my prayers anymore, and I don't know the right words or how to articulate it. In Romans 8, 26, it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So someone may ask you even like, well, how can I be praying for you? And you're like, I don't even know. Like, I, I know I need prayer and I want you praying for me, but I don't know how to put it into words. And how exciting is it to know that we don't need to worry that God can't understand or we're going to pray for the wrong thing and mess it up, but that God gets it and that the Holy Spirit and Christ Jesus make sure our prayers make sense and are powerful and are good and give us guidance as the Holy Spirit helps us and Jesus intercedes for us. You see, most of the time when we say, I need to pray, it's this instinct in us, but we don't really know what's actually happening in like in the spiritual realm when we do that in this, the dimension that we can't see. But what's going on in the unseen reality is that the Holy Spirit is listening and working with you in that prayer and he's bringing it to Jesus who then intercedes for us before the Father. It's why we pray in Jesus' name and God hears our prayers and God gets it. And thank God He's answering prayer based on who Jesus Christ is, not based on who I am. 
And he's answering prayer based on who the Holy Spirit is, not based on who I am. And he's answering prayer based on his character, not my character. And that is why at the end of the day, I'm praying, God, don't answer this prayer based on my perspective. Don't base this prayer only on what I want, but base this prayer on, answer this prayer on your will and on what you see and what you know because I want my will to be your will. And through our prayer and through our work with the Spirit and through our work with God, our, our will is conformed to the will of God and it encourages me to pray. It encourages me to pray. And this is how prayer becomes a way of life. So just the way that the, the incense on the altar was to be offered continuously, it was to never stop. Our prayers are to never stop. King David in Psalm 5 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. It's prayer is a way of life. In Psalm 63, on my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. And so King David, I mean, he's laying out two specific times a day. I mean, he knows that's what happened in the tabernacle is that the, the, every morning and evening this is being lit and uh, prayers going up. And he says, God, I'm lifting my request to you and in the morning, in the evening. And then the New Testament comes along and, and says, well, just fill in all the other time too and pray without ceasing. And that may seem daunting or overwhelming but you, you get this. Like, you might say, well, how do you do that? You get this. In fact, even right now, there's two things happening in everyone's mind at the same time, right? Like, you're listening to me talk, but you're also thinking about how does this apply and how does this work with me and other things that you've got to do and when is this going to be over and like all of these different things that are going on in your mind while this is going on. And while I'm talking to you, uh, there's another thing happening in my mind of stuff that I'm thinking about and processing this information, trying to make it clear and wondering when this is going to be over and all of these different things that are happening in my mind too. And every situation you go into, like every conversation there's two conversations happening. There's the one with the other person, but there's stuff you're thinking about as well. And you can redeem that and pray without ceasing. And while I'm talking to you, I can be talking to God. While you're talking to someone else, you can be submitting, God, give me self-control and faithfulness and patience and God, please guide me in this and thinking it through with God while you're thinking it through with someone else. And it takes us to a place that if that's true, if life is a prayer, and if it's your job in the priesthood of all believers to be praying, then it is always too soon to stop praying. Would you write that in? It's always too soon. There have been some people in my life that I've, I've prayed for their salvation. I've prayed for them. Prayed for a circumstance in their life to change. Uh, and prayed and prayed and prayed for years and don't see a change and honestly I've given up at times and um, I'll go a long time without praying for them and just decided you know it's not going to happen or it doesn't seem like this is making a difference and one of the reasons I thank God for 21 days of prayer and fasting is honestly it's like a checkpoint for me to pick up some things that I'd set down that I 
decided I didn't need to pray for anymore. And it's a checkpoint to pick this up of like, you know what, I need to be praying for that family member and I need to be praying for this person's salvation. I need, be pray- I need to be praying for my mayor and my representatives and these people. And it's kind of a checkpoint to pick this stuff back up and to be praying for uh, the people in my life and our leaders and those who protect us and, 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 and all of these different people. And for some situations in life, where it's just been a difficult situation. I know you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and you don't see a change. And there's moments where you say, I just can't pray about this anymore. But Jesus told a story in Luke 18 and it was about a widow who was persistent in prayer and Jesus used the story to teach his followers that they should always pray and never lose hope. You see, God does never, he never gives permission to us to stop praying or to lose hope. We are to pray and pray and pray and pray some more. It's called a sacrifice of prayer, a sacrifice of praise, until one of three things happens. One thing that could happen is the circumstance changes. Like the person gives their life to Christ, or uh, the person's no longer sick, or whatever you're praying for, The, the circumstance changes. You don't have to pray about that anymore. Another thing that could happen is that person changes. And uh, you should pray until something happens. Either circumstance changes or the person changes. A third thing that could happen is the you change. And there's many times in prayer where I've been the one that's changed. I've been the one that's grown. And God says you are to pray until something happens. Push, push through in prayer. Pray until something happens. Either it changes, they change, or you change. And we are not given permission to give up hope until something changes. And there have been many things that you're going to pray for that you may not see the fulfillment of that prayer in your lifetime. And there may be some situations of people that you've prayed for that you don't know how it's going to turn out. But it doesn't mean that something didn't happen. And it doesn't mean that your prayers weren't powerful and effective. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be amazed and astonished to see some of the answers of our prayers and how God was working. And I would say that this altar of incense reminds us to pray that it's our job. You see, when the priests would leave that holy place, uh, they, people knew that they had been in the presence of God. Uh, because of the lampstand, because of the bread, because of the incense and all of that and the smell of all of that be caught up in their robes and in their... Uh, hair and everything and they would go out into the outer court and they would leave and they'd go out into the encampment and it was a comforting smell and comforting thing to the people to know that God's presence with, with, was with them because they could smell that this priest had just been in the presence of God. And so I have to ask you this morning, uh, where, what, what, what do you smell like? <laughs> um, do people, like, does it smell like where you've been? And the truth is, Uh, This is how it works in our life is people know where you have been and what you've been influenced by and what presence you've been in. And so they know uh, this person smells like, like go with me on this illustration. Uh, They know, wow, this person's been watching this television channel. It's been pretty clear. 
This person's been listening to this. That's pretty clear. This person's been with this other person because whenever they're with this other person, they always say this or act like this or are thinking about this. Everyone knows where you've been and the presence of whom you've been in. Is it clear that you have been in God's presence? Is it clear that you've been in prayer? Is it clear that you've been building a fellowship with other believers? Is it clear that it's your intention to be a light in the world in a dark place? And when that becomes clear, I have found that that clears up a lot of things in life. Because <laughs> people know, uh, well, maybe I should not pick this fight with this person because they've been in the presence of God and that's really not what they're interested in. Maybe I don't need to send them this stuff anymore. Maybe I don't need to do that. Your mission becomes clear because it's clear whose presence you've been in. And if people don't know that you've been in the presence of God, what good is it for you to be a priest? And my prayer for you is that you would believe this truth, that God uses you. That God uses you. And he uses you to be a light in the world. He uses you to build oneness and fellowship uh, amongst other believers. And he uses your prayers to accomplish his will. Would you pray with me, please? Well, Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would use uh, these object lessons of the tabernacle in our life today. And God, I pray that we would be a light, that empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we could be a light to the world around us. God, I pray that as we feed on your word and feed one another your word, uh, that we would experience in our church a deep fellowship that's satisfying because it's based on the living bread that we eat and never have to hunger again. And Heavenly Father, uh, as we bring our prayers and our worship to you, we realize that it is acceptable uh, because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so we honor him in our hearts and our lives today. God, I pray that um, all the information of this message and of this series uh, would come down to these truths to believe that God, you wanna use us. You wanna use us. You wanna cleanse us, purify us, and use us to make a difference in the world around us. And so we submit that to that. We submit our hearts and our minds uh, to that concept and that truth. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.